Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. We've talked before about immunity that government officials have when they're doing their jobs, okay? And we've talked about judges and police and all kinds of different entities, uh, city council members, things of that nature. And you can't just sue somebody in government who does something you don't like, okay? Talk about suing the person themselves. Well, here's an interesting case. Brad sent this to me. It says, Steve, check this out from molawyersmedia.com, MissouriLawyersMedia.com. Scott Lauk wrote this, judge who jailed teens must face suit from father. So the father is suing a judge for throwing the teens in jail. But when you hear the facts of the case, you're going to go, oh, this one actually makes sense. He's not just suing the judge because the judge ruled in a way that he didn't like. He's suing the judge for doing something the judge shouldn't have done at all. So the judge is not immune for everything he does 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And he's also not immune when he does things that aren't judge-like. Eighth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that a Missouri state judge cannot claim immunity from allegations that he jailed the children of a divorced couple in a custody dispute. The ruling against the judge marks a rare lawsuit against a sitting judge that avoided dismissal under the doctrine of judicial immunity, which broadly protects judges acting in their official capacity. Here, the children were never parties. They never stepped foot in the courtroom, and the judge personally locked them up himself, the judge for the Eighth Circuit wrote. We've been unable to find any case that extends judicial immunity so far. So an attorney representing the children's father said the facts of the case are highly unusual. I think that's because, as the opinion points out, no one can find any case where any judge remotely did anything like what happened here. The Missouri Attorney General's office, which is representing the judge, did not return a message seeking comment, neither did the judge. In a brief on behalf of the judge, the AG argued that his actions were well within the scope of the judicial function. And then they wrote, judicial immunity does not turn on whether a judge followed every punctilio of procedure or even whether a judge acted properly and within his authority. It turns on whether the judge acted like a judge. So here's the question. What does a judge do? And did this judge do that? Let's, let's look at these facts, shall we? Case involves a couple who divorced in Missouri in 2009. They moved to California. Uh, meanwhile, the wife later sought sole custody of the children in a suit that she filed, and that led to a hearing before this judge in 2019. According to the suit, the two parents worked out an agreement for the children to stay with their mother for a month before returning to live with their father. The children who were in their early teens objected to the plan and refused to back down even when the judge intervened in the argument in the courthouse hallway. So the children were in the hallway talking to their parents and arguing. The judge went out into the hallway. Now, keep in mind that there is a big building we call a courthouse. And inside the courthouse are courtrooms. But elsewhere in the building are things like, oh, I don't know, bathrooms, uh, offices, hallways, vestibules, and other places that are not actually the courtrooms. 
So when the judge steps into one of those places, the question is, what's he doing out there? I mean, he's allowed to pass through them, but is he still presiding over a court? They allege that the judge took the teens to a conference room, and after they continued to protest, he then escorted them to jail, where they were placed in separate cells for about an hour. The suit alleges the children then agreed to comply after the judge threatened to put them in foster care. So the allegations are the judge came out and said, you guys are arguing, fine, come with me, took them to the jail, put them in separate cells, locked them up, and then said, you're going to foster care unless you agree to work with me. Father filed a civil rights suit in 2021 in U.S. District Court for the Western District of Missouri. And a judge there declined to grant immunity. And the Eighth Circuit agreed. So they said that the allegation that the judge personally escorted the children to jail took what would otherwise be a judicial act too far. So he can go out in the hallway and try to get these people to stop arguing. He can't jail them for arguing. (laughs) Judges, particularly in family law cases, have broad powers, the court noted. And the children had not disrupted or even been present in the courtroom. And judges do not do double duty as jailers. So if they'd been in his courtroom, for instance, and they'd been disruptive, he could warn them, guys, you're being disruptive. I want you to mellow out or I'm going to hold somebody in contempt. Now, that would be a stretch, but it depends on what they're doing. But my point simply is the judge has certain powers within his courtroom. But when he walks out in the hallway and says, hey, guys, stop fighting. I'm taking you to jail. Um, (laughs) I think most people are to say that's a bit too far. So even assuming the judge could have ordered someone else to take the kids to jail, he could not put them there himself. And some people say, Steve, what's the difference? What's the difference? If the judge could order someone to take them to jail versus taking them by himself, what's the difference? One big difference is when you involve somebody else, somebody else could say, your honor, why? Let's suppose he called a bailiff over and said, bailiff, take these kids to jail. The bailiff very well might say, Your Honor, why? Why? Uh, shouldn't you have a hearing first? Uh, are you taking kids from the hallway to jail? What do they do? You know, and so it might allow the intervention of somebody who can put some reason into the situation. The father also argued the judge had caused his children to be jailed a second time. After the father and children missed a court hearing while they were living in Louisiana, the judge issued a pickup order that prompted deputies in that state to arrest the children and place them in a juvenile detention center. The Missouri Supreme Court issued a writ of prohibition that vacated that order. You don't arrest the kids when they don't show up. Father? Well, that's a different story, but that's not what happened. Meanwhile, um, The judge in the federal court allowed that count to proceed against the judge, but the Eighth Circuit Court reversed that one. Uh, They wrote that while the judge may have lacked authority to issue the order, he did have subject matter over the case under Missouri law and could not be sued for that action. So they're saying that one right there was actually close enough, close enough. Case drew interest from the Institute for Justice, the National Police Accountability Project, and the National Association of Counsel for Children, who had urged the court to allow the lawsuit to proceed and not to expand judicial immunity protections. 
meanwhile, the attorney praised the opinion for its detailed treatment of the history of judicial immunity and said it would be of great use in defining the doctrine's limits in other cases. I think judges are going to give the benefit of the doubt a lot of time to judges, he said. The opinion is not going to open the doors to all sorts of immunity claims from every disgruntled litigant. I just don't see that. Meanwhile, this judge, previously was a solo practitioner in Branson, was elected to the bench in 2014 and most recently retained office last year, running unopposed. So the case is still an active one in federal court, uh, and that's after the trial court refused to dismiss it on the judicial immunity argument, went up on appeal, and the Court of Appeals refused to dismiss it also, and sustained most of the lower court's ruling. So it's a bizarre case, and it's one of those examples. And by the way, I've mentioned before, I did a video a while back about one of the craziest cases in court history. <laughs> happened in Michigan, and it was a divorce from, um, I think I may have called it a divorce from hell, but it was an ugly divorce where the parties were divorcing. They fought over everything, including they hired and fired attorneys, and attorneys quit, and the docket entries for their particular case ran page after page after page after page. And everybody was pulling their hair out, including the court officials and the judges and the, everybody. Everybody. And so I've mentioned before, I don't do divorce work. And, and I have sympathy for attorneys who do. Because in my cases where people bought a defective car and they're angry at the manufacturer for not buying it back... We settle those cases. There's not that much acrimony between the parties. But in divorce cases, you often have situations where both sides hate each other. And if someone came into my office and said, I want to hire you because I got a defective car, and I hate them, I hate them, I'd say, well, they sold you a defective car, we'll settle it, we'll get the car bought back, don't worry about it. If they kept insisting, no, I hate them, I want to hurt them, I want to, I want to, I want to see them burn. I'd say, you know something, I'm not the attorney for you because that's not what we're going to do here. We're going to get the car bought back. We're not going to get them to burn. That's not, that's not what we do. And the sad part is there are actually some attorneys out there who thrive on that. And, and I say sadly because if you took two parties getting a divorce and had a parallel universe with the exact same two parties getting a divorce and you look at the end result the end result is often the same, whether or not you spend all this time in court spinning your wheels and filing all kinds of motions and fighting over everything, or you just say, you know something, let's just settle this like civilized people and get it over with. And I'm not saying that there's never a time for fighting over some things, but I talk to attorneys to say, I got someone came to my office and say, I hate this person. I want to make them pay. I don't care. And they're more focused on making them pay. And what they mean is they want to hurt this person. And courts are not there for you to hurt someone else. They're actually they're trying to resolve a dispute. And the dispute is between you and your future, hopefully, ex-wife or husband. You know, So there is a lot of hard feelings in, in some of these cases. And so judges who hear these cases actually need to have a certain kind of temperament. And so when they have the parties in front of them who are fighting and yelling and screaming and all that stuff, they've got to have a certain temperament to deal with that. I could deal with that as a judge. If you said, Steve, you, I've said before famously, I do not want to be a judge. Never wanted to be a judge. I would not be a judge. And so if you said, Steve, you've got to be a judge. 
for whatever reason, parallel universe, magic wand, boom, you're a judge. What kind of judge do you want to be? I would say anything but divorce. Any, <laughs> anything. Anything but divorce. I don't want to handle divorces. I don't. I don't. I don't want to be near them. I don't want to work on them. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So there is a certain amount of animosity often in the courts. But when you have a judge go out in the hallway, insert himself into an argument, and then grab, figuratively speaking, two teenagers and take them to jail and lock them up and say, I'm sending you guys to foster care unless you stop arguing. I know some people are going to say, Steve, but that's just him trying to solve the problem. Um, no, you don't lock kids up and threaten them to send them to foster care. Because, no, I mean, there's, there's other things he could have done. But you have to understand how highly unusual it is for the judge to come down off the bench and go out in the hallway. I'm trying to think of the last time I saw a judge in a hallway wearing the robes. I can't think of an example. It doesn't happen. That's how unusual that is. So this is a crazy case, but the judge who jailed the teens must face a lawsuit from the father. See you in court. So Scott Lauk wrote that for MOLawyersMedia.com, MissouriLawyersMedia.com. Brad sent it. Thanks a lot. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Leto's Law. Come on, Ross. You're a paleontologist. Dig a little deeper.